what makes you so special that what Jesus did was not enough? And I was stunned. I was just, how do you answer that? You know, he said, what you, it doesn't matter what you've done, Tracy, or what, what's happened to you. It's been paid for. You've been bought and paid for. And you need to learn what that means. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, friends, and welcome to my 29th episode, Tracy's God Story, a story of overcoming abuse, addictions, and childhood trauma. My name's Michelle Saunders Gutch, storytelling host and founder of Altered Stories Ministry, a faith-based nonprofit located in Overland Park, Kansas, that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. Thanks for listening to today's show, and sorry it's taken me some time to get out another podcast. Before I get my show started, I wanted to share with all of you that I've been praying for you during this time of great unknown with the coronavirus outbreak. I know we all are making changes to how we do life daily, and that can sometimes create anxiety and stress. Please be encouraged knowing that nothing is impossible with God, and He hears and answers our prayers and walks with us through our storms. I have found that the Bible is a great source of inspiration and guides us in our faith and how we can walk through uncertainty. You can read Psalms 91, Isaiah 41, and Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, my lifers, for, I believe, comfort, guidance, and encouragement. Of course, there are many, many, many other scriptures out there, but those are just a few that have, in my opinion, helped me and others I've known. I encourage all of you to stay in God's Word and to stay in fellowship with each other virtually. There are so many great ways to do that. I mean, it's amazing what we can do with the technology that we've been given. Please also do take the time to grow in your faith right at this point. Because it is important that we continue to do that. Listening to uplifting and faith-building podcasts are one way to feed your soul and lift your spirits. So, moving on, let's get this show rolling. I am truly blessed and honored to be interviewing my special Rockstar Altered Stories Ministry Board Treasurer guest, Tracy Mosley. I was blessed to meet Tracy at Office Evolution in Overland Park while she was working there and I was working in the co-working space. We had a great God connection and I immediately was drawn to Tracy and the way that she loved Jesus. Tracy also was an incredible listener and so empathetic. And at that point, I was going through um, grief 
because I had just lost my mom. And she extended in her loving way an opportunity for me to share what I was going through. God, I believe, brought Tracy to me. And she also, I believe, was brought to Altered Stories Ministry to serve on our board as we continue to grow. So I really want you all to get to know her. So welcome to the show, Tracy. How are you doing today? Michelle, I am doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And thank you for your kind words. Oh, you're welcome. They're all true. For those that are listening today that don't know you, can you share a little bit about who you are before we get into our conversation? I am a self-employed accountant who uh, specializes in nonprofit accounting. I have a certification as a nonprofit accountant, and then I also have an advanced certification in QuickBooks Online. So I work a lot with uh, small to mid-sized businesses and nonprofits, um, create better processes, um, and then also just uh, implement. Then we do a lot of conversion work. I work a lot with just service-based businesses, ministries, churches, real estate, home health care, you, you name it. I, I work in a lot of different industries because everyone needs to get their accounting and books done and everybody needs to do taxes. So I'm quite busy. <laughs> I know you, of course, are a dog mom, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> I am a dog mom. As a matter of fact, I have a shirt that says dog mom. I've shared that picture, Tracy. <laughs> I know. Uh, um, I love it. So, um, you know, have you have a God story about that rescue dog too, right? You, you might integrate that into your story here in a bit. But can you also share a little bit about like your personal, like who, who you are in your roles? I think it was probably about four or five years ago. I was questioning what God wanted me to do. I knew I had a story and I knew that there was something that I wanted to do to help. I was driving down Ward Parkway toward uh, a nonprofit that I was current. I was a CFO there and it was really, it was a great experience, but I, I just knew that it wasn't really what I was supposed to be doing. And God really, it was almost somewhat audible. It, it scared me. He just said, Tracy, you're an accountant. That's your ministry. I never questioned it after that, that he wanted me to use numbers, which was my gift, to minister to other people, open up opportunities for me to share. And so I've, I've tried to do that to the best of my ability and not questioned the calling that he's given me. You know, I, I want to thank you today, truly, for trusting me with your personal God story and for being willing, willing to share it with um, our listeners. And I want to also encourage um, you today as we go through um, and you share to, you know, be authentic and real and raw in your emotions. When I first started Altered Stories um, as a podcast, the intent was to go to the listener uh, or to the guest and have them share in real situations um, so our listeners can, you know, depict a picture um, of 
the story. So, you know, I, I want to honor your courage today and really thank you for being willing to go out and share. And also, um, I'm thankful for your client that is sponsoring your story. Um, I think that's really cool. It kind of just shares um, with our listeners the person that you are, that you have clients that, you know, you have uh, relationships with and, and they support who you are as a believer and just your story. So moving forward, um, is there anything else you want to share about who you are before we get into your God story? Well, I am a mom of three adult, wonderful children ages uh, 29, 28, and 25. All of them are married. I have three grandchildren and then one step-granddaughter, ages 11, 8, 3, and 6 months. My oldest son just had his first child, the first boy. I'm a daughter, um, and I'm a friend. And those are the things that mean the most to me. Well, I also love how you share your pictures of your family, too, from time to time. And I know you and I are Gigi's, so I love that. <laughs> I have a mutual Gigi. <laughs> I love it. Um, my shirt is actually hanging up right in front of me right now that my daughter-in-law oh, got me for Christmas. It says Gigi, yes. I love it, Tracy. You are a Gigi. You know, I, I do appreciate you sharing that because, you know, you do love your family so much and I know they support you. And uh, I just love seeing their pictures and pictures of your grandchildren. And, you know, you're, you're living a very fulfilled life. And um, I love that. And I love how your parents love you and, you know, all of that. So thanks for sharing that. I just think listeners kind of like to hear things well, like that. I, I have to say it's been a work in progress because, as we go through my story, it hasn't always been that way. Um, I had to restore those relationships. So they're more precious to me now than they were. Well, praise God that he's a God that restores. So let's hear from you where your God story began. My God story began a long time ago. And I was blessed with a grandmother. I didn't get you know, the typical stories. I, I got Bible stories. I learned from a very young age about God. At the age of five, she had me memorizing the books of the Bible. I could say them all when I was five. I still remember standing in front of church doing that. And she bought me a special nightlight because I was able to do it. Both the Old and the New Testament, which actually has benefited me well later in life. <laughs> but um, I've known God my whole life, I think, since I can remember. But things change, and my family moved to uh, Clinton, Missouri. My dad had an opportunity to, to buy a business there, and he wanted us to be in a small town. I have a brother who's uh, got a, a disability. He probably would have been on the spectrum um, had autism been something that they really looked at back then. And so they wanted him to be in a smaller environment where he had an opportunity to um, get a little bit more 
attention. So when we moved, we left the church that I had been basically in my whole life um, up to that point, which is only seven, but still that was where my I was familiar. And we started going to a small church just down the street. We walked. My mom made sure every Sunday my brother and I walked to Sunday school. That was when they still had Sunday school. But they didn't go with us. So it disjointed us some. And then I, as time went on, life gets busy. Um, I was very busy because my mom and dad kept me busy so that they could tend to my brother. So I became a gymnast. Um, I was a cheerleader and uh, played piano. You name it. If it was something that <laughs> you could do, my mom had me in it. Through those years, I, I started just not necessarily falling away, but I, I really didn't stay on the path that I had been on. And by the time I got to college, college happens. And then, you know, there are some other things, but one significant thing happened in my years in high school. I was 14. And it's just when things happen like this, you can remember every single detail, smell, everything. Uh, we were at the lake. We, we had a lake home, not a home. I, that's, a, that's a very nice word. It was, it was like a little shack. <laughs> but we went to the lake every weekend because my dad's business was seasonal, so we didn't take summer vacations. I was scared of spiders. kind of still am to some extent. And I knew that, that they had sprayed for them, and I just had this feeling that they were going to crawl on me. So I, was, I was terrified. So I went and I got in in bed with a family member just to feel comfort. And I woke up to that person touching me. And I'll never forget that feeling of losing innocence and questioning who I was and waking up the next day and everybody acted like things were normal, but it wasn't normal for me. I didn't understand. I didn't know what, I thought I did something wrong. You go through all those questions and I, car I carried that for almost 30 years before I talked about it. It was so painful. And unfortunately, as I learned through going in my therapy, when something like that happens to you at a young age, decisions that you make after that are from that mindset. So that led to some not so good choices on my part, but I, I did end up meeting who I thought was a great person. I got married and then we had these, these three great kids. Uh, became part of instantly became part of a very large church, which I was not used to at all. And my father-in-law was the pastor of this very large church, which meant that I was under a microscope 24 seven. And it was a very legalistic environment. So we didn't get to really talk about feelings. We just had to look perfect, wear the right clothes, say the right things. You know, it, it was really a very odd situation to be in. And my husband at the time was just, he had lived that way his whole life. And so really had a, a bad taste for church. So our, <laughs> my kids and I were even joking about this the other day, we would sneak in at the end of the service 
and go into one of the Sunday school rooms, put the intercom on so he would hear the end of the service so that when we went to dinner, he would be able to say we were there. And the kids got to just play with the toys that were in the room. They, they didn't know the difference. But I, I'm sad that they didn't get the exposure to God that I did um, as a child. Because I do believe that, you know, what it says in Proverbs, and they raise up a child, and, and they won't depart. They'll come back. And I don't give up hope. I think this, it, they're always going to be my children. So I, I still remain hopeful in that area. But I'm sad that they didn't get to see the real, the real thing. So uh, my view of God just really wasn't healthy at all. It, it, I, I just didn't even know what to think. Uh, and, and anyone who was, you know, in the seventies, especially like the mid to late seventies, there was a great movement of uh, the Holy Spirit. And so the church that I had been in was a very spirit-filled church as a child. And I, I remember people dancing and, you know, it, so I just didn't know what to think. My, I also had my grandmother who was obsessed with revelation. And it sometimes I thought that the earth was going to open up and I was just going to get swallowed. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> hellfire brimstone, you know, but um, so I really didn't, first of all, I never was taught about grace. Never. At, at that point in my life, I had no idea what to think about God. I knew that he was there. I knew he was watching me, but I felt like he was watching me shaking his finger at me my whole life. Uh, so that, that let, you know, I'm, I'm married now. I have these kids and we're living this not so real life. And I, I, I started to work at, at, a, at a location that ended up putting me in a position to own my first business. And that business was very successful. And I sold it in the mid-2000s. But during that time, my husband met someone uh, who had a family. Their kids were about the same age as ours. And we started hanging out with them. And they drank. And that meant he started drinking. And I didn't really even know that that was a problem for a while. And then, you know, drugs came into the, to the picture and it, it was just such a different, I'd never experienced that either. So uh, that was my first exposure to, to that lifestyle. And it kind of got a hold of me for a while. So uh, my husband then left us when the money stopped coming in as much as it had been. Uh, he really, I think, first of all, he might have been a little, I, I've found, and I don't know if this has been true for you, Michelle, or not, but a lot of times a successful woman can be difficult for a, a, a man. Um, they just, they say that they want you to be that way, but that's not necessarily always true. And I think he had a hard time with that and later actually admitted that to me. And we're friends now, which is wonderful. We do things with the kids together. He's been remarried, and I'm so grateful for that. But um, it's, I think he had a hard time with it. And when the money stopped coming in like it was, he, he left. So that started a really big spiral down for me. <sighs> for about six months, I, I was just almost numb, I think. Um, just really 
walking around not knowing what to do. I was searching. So I started going to a church. That was the time when uh, Rick Warren had just come out with the Purpose Driven Life. So everybody, every church, you know, you went to was doing 40 days, you know, purpose-driven life. So I love that. I did love that study. It is a great study, which I actually didn't finish until just about three years ago. But uh, I did go and, and that's, I tried seeking there and that I just wasn't finding a place that I felt like I could grieve. And I didn't even know that I needed to grieve, honestly. I just knew I didn't want to hurt. And I I just didn't know what to do. So I ended up in this relationship with a person that looked to be a great person on the outside. And we went horseback riding. There's just a lot of fun there. And the first time he got angry... And I don't even know what set him off, honestly, to this day. I don't, I was in my garage. I was packing because I didn't want to stay in the house that I'd been in for the years uh, when I was married. I decided I wanted us to, to move into a different place, have a new environment. And so I was packing and I, I was in the garage and he came in and picked me up by the back of my pants and my hair. My hair was long at the time. And threw me headfirst into the garage door. And uh, I don't know how long I was there. I just know I woke up there. And uh, obviously, I was very disoriented. I had no idea what happened. And that led to about six months of, of very, very bad abuse, sexual and mental and physical. But I was terrified. Uh, he he did threaten me many many times, and I was using I was using anything I could to numb myself because I didn't want to hurt. I didn't want to feel. I just I just wanted it to go away. I finally got the courage though to call my dad. I just said, "Can you come get me?" And he came. We got as much stuff as we could in the truck, and he took me home to Clinton. They brought a, a little house that was very close by to them, and we fixed it up, and I moved in, and I got away from this person. I, I actually had a restraining order for three years because we, we had a lot of trouble getting him out of my life. So still, you know, not knowing God, and, and I mentioned earlier, it's something it's amazing to me still that even though I didn't know he was there, he was. And that was such a great thing because I, I know that if he hadn't been, I don't know if I would have made it. And Tracy, I'm going to interject something here. I mean, you're on a roll with your communication and your story. How did God reveal to you that he was still loved, loved you and was pursuing you and you you know, that he was there? I don't know that I necessarily knew it at the time. But when I was walking my dog, I had a different dog, obviously. I had an English bulldog named Polly, girl Polly. And so we were walking around the block where I lived. And I walked past this house that was turned, had an old Victorian home that had been turned into apartments. And I hear this voice 
familiar voice say, is that Tracy Mosley? And I looked up and it was a, a, a person that I had grown up with. And so I walked over to the porch and he was reading Purpose Driven Life. This was not a person I would have expected to see reading Purpose Driven Life. He just didn't seem like that kind of person. Well, we sat there and talked and he had been in prison for 10 years and just had done some, I, I didn't even know this. I didn't even know anything about it. And he shared the thing that changed his life, which was reading The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. And so I'd never heard of her before. He told me her story and why it meant something to him. And he told me to read that in Beauty for Ashes. So I started to learn that there are second chances and that God did still love me. And I started exposing myself more to her teaching and I got back into my old my home church. And I think that that's kind of around the time when Celebrate Recovery started. I'm not sure exactly when it started, but I wasn't still using at the time, but I was still self-medicating in other ways. I think we find lots of ways to numb ourselves and escape, you know, escape. It could be it could be food, it can be not food, it could be exercise, whatever it is. I, I was still numbing myself in, in a lot of ways. So I was doing some volunteer work at a at a shelter, a homeless shelter, he, up, actually up here. So I was kind of going back and forth. And I met this woman who was a, an AA person. And so I went to a meeting with her and I... I have out here right in front of me the thing that really, really changed my my thinking. And it was anybody who's familiar with what's called the big book, which I'd never liked, by the way, because the big book to me does not mean this book. It means the Bible, but that's that's just me. Um, but it was uh, this one paragraph on page 62, which says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. And next, we need to decide that in the drama of life, God was going to be the director. He's the principal, and he is our father, and he is, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone. And then it also says, we have a new employer who is all-powerful. He provided what we needed if we stayed close with him and performed his work. We were reborn. I clicked with that. And she stuck with me and worked my steps with me. And she calls herself. I, I've stayed in touch with her because I honestly believe she saved me in a lot of ways. God put her in my life for a reason. She was hard on me too. I tell you what, she really made me do my steps. And it was one of the best things that I could ever do because I had to face some of the things that I hadn't dealt with. Even though I worked them, I still didn't know about Christ. I kept searching. <laughs> and I finally ended up coming back to Kansas City area in 2013. I went to work at a CPA firm. Uh, finally was getting back on my feet and wasn't using anymore. I uh, wasn't 
really wasn't numbing anymore. And I happened to be working with a client who was Seventh-day Adventist, and she just invited me to a Bible study. And they happened to be doing a Beth Moore Bible study called Stepping Up. And it was uh, about the Psalms of Ascent, which I didn't know anything about, but it was an amazing study. But through that study, I learned what study really meant. I had never studied the Bible. And it just gave me this tremendous hunger. And after that, I went to Mardell's, which I frequented quite often after that. They would see me coming and know that I was going to be sitting in the middle of the floor with books all over the place, trying to figure out which one was going to be the next. And I, I did Breaking Free. Yeah, I've been through that one, and that's powerful too. That was the start of me really getting to know God, His character, the different aspects of the Trinity and how they work together. And so I, I, I think I did, I don't know how many studies I did, but I just, I was really hungry for the word at that time. And, and it gave me uh, such a hope. It was, it was like nothing I'd, I'd had, had before. And by this time I'd also remarried to someone that I grew up with. It wasn't the person that introduced me to George Meyer, it was somebody else that I, I reconnected with. And so I, I started learning about grace. I still hadn't really dealt with some of the issues of my childhood. And I was working um, at Office Evolution um, uh, at the time. And my good friend uh, and your good friend uh, recommended that I go see uh, a certain therapist. And one of the first books that he had me read was called The Cure. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have through Tawana. Um, I've never read it, but I would love to learn more about that book and, and understand. It's, it's all about grace. Yes, it's all about grace. And there's, a, there's like a YouTube uh, message that goes along with it, but I'll never forget uh, the therapist, me, me talking and me giving my, you know, my, I guess at that time, I let my pity party story. And he's like, so what makes you so special? And I, I didn't, I was like, I really didn't know what he meant by that. And he said, what, what makes you so special that what Jesus did was not enough? And I was stunned. I was just how do you answer that? You know, he said, what you, and it doesn't matter what you've done, Tracy, or what, what's happened to you. It's been paid for. You've been bought and paid for, and you need to learn what that means. And reading The Cure and, and going through that, that book was the first time I learned about grace. And it was either pleasing God, which is what I tried to do most of my life or trusting God. Those are the two paths that you get to choose. And trusting God is an uncertainty, but it's the best one. So I started working that and I had been about six months into my therapy and uh, my husband just uh, out, of the, out of nowhere really snapped. and. Uh, 
we were having a discussion about finances. He had been really unstable in his employment and it had gotten frustrating and hard and in the middle of that discussion. And it wasn't even like an argument, but he just pounced. I mean, he had a lot of training in martial arts and some other things. He had been a a competitive fighter in Japan and when when he was stationed there in the Air Force. And he, he literally jumped on me and grabbed my throat and was choking me and saying some really horrible things to me. He brought up the man who had abused me from my past and told me that he wanted me to remember what that felt like um, and started just really bringing up some very painful things. And by that time, I knew I couldn't breathe anymore. I didn't know if I was going to live. I couldn't breathe. I don't know how I got away, but... I did, and I grabbed my phone, and I went and locked myself in the bathroom. And of all people, I called my son. <laughs> I, I just like, but he's just kind of been—he's a, a kindred spirit to me. We have the same heart, I think. So I didn't. I just called him, and he said, "Mom, he knew I was just a mess." He said, "Mom, you need to hang up and call nine one one, and then call me back, and I'll stay on the phone with you until they come." So I did that and, you know, that led to some difficult things that I had to go through court and everything. And another divorce, which was painful. And, uh, you know, so I was like, huh, you know, two, two marriages, two divorces, what a failure. But that's not, that's not true. I, and I, I learned more you know, that that wasn't true. So I I started seeing a doctor that uh, was recommended to me that they thought that I should go see, not necessarily just a regular doctor, but a neurologist. So I did. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, She introduced me to what's called EMDR. And it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I knew nothing about this. So I am a researcher. I will find I loved research. I read everything I could about this whole thing and I discovered that it's been used a lot like in the Middle Eastern areas for people who have been through um, terrorist attacks and that it's a very effective trauma therapy. And I I don't know that I even realized that trauma was such a huge part of my life and had been since I was 14. And so I I got introduced to this beautiful, wonderful woman who was, she's a Christian as well. And so we used that as as a guidepost through my, my therapy and I honestly thought when I first went, I was like, okay, this is hocus pocus. It's not going to work. Maybe it'll work on somebody else, but there's no way it's going to work on me. I walked away from my first session, a completely different person. And I was blown away. Uh, It was amazing to me how he has created parts of us that can heal other parts of us. And she explained it to me and 
when you have trauma, you carry it in a certain part of your brain. And when you carry things in that part of your brain, which is the limbic system, you react to everything out of that, which is your fight, flight, freeze mode. Instead of being in the, the prefrontal cortex where you are reason, you re- emotionally react. And so I had conditioned myself to, to react out of trauma. And so we worked through each piece that I needed to work through. And the neat thing about EMDR is that you, you sit there and, and there's different ways that you can do, do it. They either have a pointer or you can hold these electronic things that pulse back and forth. And it causes your eyes to go back and forth, almost like a REM type you know, where they say is when you get your best sleep and that's when your body regenerates. It's the same thing except for you're awake and you go through and, and I will tell you, it was very hard at first, very hard. But I knew it by this point that I would, had, had turned, you know, I was almost 50. My kids were doing well. I just knew I didn't want to live the rest of my life stuck. So I spent about nine months with her and we processed every event that I needed to process. And it's just such a neat thing. I think my favorite one still is we went back to the the one that started the trauma in me was what happened to me when I was 14 at the lake. And the older ones take the longest because they're so deeply embedded in you. It took us about almost two months to work through that. But you go through it, you see it, you you realize that you're safe in the moment. And a lot of times you're seeing yourself outside of yourself. And in that particular instance, my grandfather, who I love dearly, I lost him when I was actually 15, so not too long after the event had happened. Um, he he was loved flowers, especially purple irises, which is still my favorite by far because it makes me think of him. And we took that memory and I wrote on the back of the lawnmower like I did when I was a little girl and we buried it and we planted irises on top of it. And the wonderful thing about EMDR is you know that something happened and you can see it, but the emotion no longer has control over you. And it's just, a, it is a beautiful thing. EMDR, I, I, what does it stand for again? I, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. So you desensitize and then you reprocess the event in a healthy way. So when I when I buried that memory, that was my reprocessing it. The event of the abuse that happened when I was with my ex-husband where I thought I was gonna die. That one was a, a at first it was a movie, then it turned into a picture, and then the picture disintegrated it and it blew away in the wind. So you go where your brain tells you. You just let the whole, for me, it's Holy Spirit. You go wherever it leads you and she guides you based on your response. 
So that's, that's what it does. Well, the, I guess I, not to interrupt, the reason I brought that up is I don't know how long that EMDR has been in, you know, that how long they've been using EMDR, but I went through that when I went through my stress management counseling when I was younger. And that's when my counselor at that point determined that I had been, you know, there was abuse from the cult experience in what I went through. But also, I had a great fear of flying. And she also used those steps that you were mentioning in terms of your story and your recovery to help me through the fears that I had of flying. And I have to tell you what, it worked. I mean, I don't have a fear of flying like I had at that time. And I also know that was when I really, truly, when I went through that process, like you're sharing, I just didn't know it was EMDR, but that made a huge difference in my healing and being able to move forward, having come out of, you know, the abuse and trauma I did as a child being in that cult. So I'm really glad to hear that made a huge difference in your healing and your recovery and that you're talking through that for those that are out there and need you know, truly to go through the whole process of recovery because I admire that you took the time, Tracy, to do that. I mean, that you cared enough about who you are, your future, your children, you know, all of the things that you bring to this world and you wanted to move ahead in the most healthiest way and how God used that woman uh, therapist and how you did the hard work, because you have to do the work. I mean, people have a hard time with that. Sometimes they want to suppress and suppress. So moving forward now, I mean, you've talked about your favorite scriptures a little through this. You've talked about your struggle. you talked about a lot. And I mean, I really appreciate the depth that you've gone to and the illustration of each one of those trauma points. I mean, it's not easy, folks. It's not easy to go there. I mean, it's hard. So you, to me, have really worked hard in your recovery, Tracy. And I'm really, really thankful uh, that you have gone through that because I, just from the point I have known you to where you are now, I'm amazed and I'm so proud to see how you have gone through your recovery. So, I mean, that's an attestment to your faith in God and how you've allowed him to be the Lord of your life, the savior of your life, and how you walk in great humility and, you know, how you give him glory and you're doing that in your story here today. So what advice would you have for listeners today that may be listening that, you know, they're, they've had trauma like this. I mean, I know there's so many things that people can try to do. Um, but what advice do you have for those that may be struggling, women struggling, you know, maybe they're in an abusive situation or maybe they're coming out of it and they haven't dealt with things and Maybe they feel they don't have the support. They don't have the money. They don't have the family support. I mean, what what advice do you have? 
as you were talking, I, I, I have this beautiful gift of like, these little visions that God gives me occasionally. And I just had one, I looked down at my piece of paper and I had written down Isaiah 61 that has become just even little parts of it, such a huge thing to me. But I think that no matter what you've been through, that you can take those things to God and he can basically burn them up and and they become a pile of ashes and he remolds you and that he loves you. He loves us so much, so unconditionally. And even now, you know, we mess up, we we make bad decisions, we, we do silly things. I say to myself throughout the day, even look in the mirror and say, it's okay. God loves me. And just that simple reminder is a great thing. But if you do have an opportunity to get help, don't be afraid to do it. Just even if it's just a baby step, it'll be the best step that you ever took. I'm so glad I did it. And the other side of it is that, yes, I had a friend, you know, who you know, who encouraged me to get help, but it was really, I had to take that step. I had to have the courage to do it. I was scared. There were many days I was like, I can't do this, but God will get you through it. It may hurt like crazy, but it is so worth it on the other side. Well, friends, there you go. So Tracy, again, thank you so much for sharing your your story. I mean, it's a gift. And I know that many will um, be encouraged by it. I wanted to let everyone know that we will have an episode page up on our website to share this podcast, um, Tracy's God Story with you. And it'll be episode 29. And also, um, some of Tracy's information will be out there um, and some way to contact her um, if you need to contact her. and. Tracy, is there anything else before we go that you want to share? We talked about earlier, but not not on here, but the armor of God, walking out of the door, putting that on. And in the times that we're living in right now, I, I think I've read Philippians chapter four <laughs> many times. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer, supplications, make your requests known to God. In all things, pray. He, he wants to hear us pray to him. He wants to hear from us. He loves it when he hears from us. And I've even learned that he likes the sound of my voice. So just know that God is in control and he can pull you through anything if you let him. I love it. So friends, until the next show, be Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. 
If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.